So how would you? How am I? How yeah, is... not bad. I mean, it's been um, uh, it's been an interesting journey because I mean we've we've spoken about this before, but um, up until just over a year ago, I was living over over in the Middle East, um, yeah. and the in, the intention was um, to move back in April 2020. Um, but obviously COVID had other plans, you know, and everything got locked down. So I was, uh, over in the Middle East, I was running a digital marketing agency. So we were doing websites, social media, email marketing, all that sort of stuff for, you know, various clients. Um, and I set that up in 07, um, and very quickly kind of built up a, a, a decent client roster. The problem with it was it was, uh, it was a tiny little island called Bahrain that I was living on, uh, and the whole population of that island is 1.4 million. So, when you're doing something like so, uh, in 2007, I set up initially as uh, as a designer and a design agency, but very quickly by kind of 08, we were you know we were doing offering social media uh, services to our clients. So that was very early on in in, in the game. And the problem was that because the population is so small, there wasn't a massive pool of people to find to to work for as employees for us. So by the time we finished in 2017, uh, my wife had come on uh, and was working with, with me as well. Um, and the problem there was we were doing 16 hour days, seven days a week, pretty consistently. And you, you when you're working together, you're never leaving it at the office. You know, we'd, we'd yeah. come home, lunch would you know any break would be talking about it lunch dinner whatever at no point did it stop i've actually got photos when we we tried to go on holiday uh, and we brought on a social media client and we were doing all their social media for like a week-long festival and we just got that we just got the timing wrong and so we were in turkey and we were in the middle of nowhere out in the mountains um and we were supposed to be on like a walking tour um of these like uh tunnels that had been, uh, you know, dug out, you know, uh, kind of, I think it was probably, the, you know, early, early Christian set settlements. <clears throat> and I've got pictures of, of my wife on her phone trying to deal with social media complaints and responses and all that sort of stuff, you know, whilst we're on holiday in the middle of Turkey. And so we, we you know, we, we rarely ended up actually taking holidays. Holidays were just being in a different country, doing the same work, but finding it harder because you're not in your office. So yeah. uh, it was, yeah, it was 2017. We brought the agency to a close because we were just so burnt out. Um, I, it was like, uh, I kept renting the office after we, we, we brought it to a close, brought all the, uh, most, most of the work to a, to a finish. And I still had my office and I just couldn't face going back in there. Um, so I was still renting it out for probably about six months, just throwing money away. And I went back in there. I think it was about four months after we brought brought it to a close, and I literally just had a physical reaction to being in the in, in the place again. Like you know, it just yeah. felt the walls coming in on me. Um, so it was just you know, knew I had to make a change, and that was actually in 2017. And I, it wasn't it wasn't an immediate cut off straight into to Barnfield. I mean, Barnfield wasn't really. I, I didn't register Barnfield until 2020. So there was a three year gap where I was doing consultancy. So I kind of brought the agency to a close. So it was just me as an individual. 
going into larger organizations and kind of helping them to integrate digital beyond marketing. Um, so it was from a customer, customer experience point of view, how they could use technology to really improve their offering as a business. Um, and although, I mean, that felt great because I was able to take the experience that I'd gained over 10 years and kind of apply it in a different way. And I could do it on my own terms as an individual. But then the, the, the problem with, with consultancy, or at least it was for me, was you find you, you do all this work, it turns into you know a report, a document of some sort, and it just gets filed in a drawer and put away. You know, there's no real sense of achievement. You know, and and you, you kind of question why you're doing it. You know, it, it, so, so that, that, yeah, as I say, that, that kind of carried on for, for three years. But really, almost as soon as I brought the agency to a close, I kind of, I found myself, I'd gone from being a designer and then ending up managing people. Um, and, and, and just commute, just dealing with communications all the time, meetings, emails, all that sort of stuff. So I kind of went back to my roots and I started designing straight away. <clears throat> and when I'd been at uni all those years ago, one of the things that I'd done is started to develop a surf brand, which never, I never, never kind of like pushed the button with it, but it was something that I was working towards. And so I kind of picked that up again. Um, yeah. And, you know, and I was just, sketching stuff out and printing stuff off and sticking up on the walls and it just felt they started to feel right again you know i started to feel like the work that i was doing was energizing me rather than taking away from it and uh, i mean i didn't end up going down the surf brand route but you know it, it immediately just felt like just creating something tangible again something that i could hold in my hands was mm -hmm. you know as i say kind of energizing me and building me up rather than taking away from me yeah that was a really long segue to how are you doing? But basically, oh. yeah, so, it's, so eventually <laughs> I, um, yeah, so, so, so I was supposed to move back in uh, April, 2020. Um, January, January, 2020, I actually came back to the UK um, for a month. I booked myself 30 days back in the UK um, and me and my buddy, Matt, bought a, uh, a BMW K100, uh, uh, it's a 1984. I mean, it's just in bits, it, you know, it was, it was the frame and the wheels and, you know, the engine was on it, but otherwise it was six boxes or maybe even eight boxes of bits. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea was come back to the UK, get involved with uh, building a bike, because again, doing something tangible. And I think the, mm -hmm. I, the idea originally had come from the idea of creating an electric cafe racer. And the idea with the K100, because it's just got, you know, it's the flying brick. It's just got that square engine to start yeah. with. Yeah. It felt like it lent itself really well to that idea of, you know, because you could just fill that area with, 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 uh, with batteries. And one of the things, because one of the things that, that Matt says is that you often find with these uh, electric cafe racers that they look great apart from they look like they've just got kind of a 90s pc stuck underneath the petrol tank you know just this big square <laughs> block and you lose all the beauty of the exhaust and the headers and you know and, and, and the engine and all that sort of stuff it, just with this square block and it just takes away from the beauty of a cafe racer and so that was the idea with the k100 was we you know it's already a block so we you know we could fill in that space the idea was that that was the idea and very quickly went off the boil there because we weren't um capable basically of, of, of taking something and then just jumping straight in but it was the idea of 
taking something that was unloved and that was uncared for and just being able to put your hands on it and fix it up and and that 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 kind of like that thread of, of, of creating something tangible again um so the idea was come back to the uk try it out for 30 days see if it was something that that floated my boat and by the end of that 30 days that bike hadn't started for eight years and even then it was all, all in pieces and by the end of it had it wired up and had flames coming out of the exhaust because we'd had no headers. Um, you know, and it was just, it just, it, I, I think, I mean, I think Matt's on, on uh, watching now, but I think it started up like maybe second or third go, you know, which is yeah. incredible. And then just, you know, real kudos to, to German engineering. But, um, you know, that was, I, I came out the back of that and I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Flew back to the UK yeah. early February uh, and I remember, uh, sorry, flew, flew back to Bahrain early, early February, and I remember flying into the airport and seeing, you know, like a, a body temperature machine and, and two medical staff. It hadn't really kicked off, so no one was really stopping us, but obviously uh, they were very quick to get on get onto it. Um, and then, yeah, obviously by, by April, everything was locked down. So yeah. we were kind of like, well, it doesn't make any sense to fly back to the UK now and just sit in a rental apartment and, and go nowhere. So uh, we pushed everything back until August, but I brought most of my uh, work with my clients to a close. So I was like, mm -hmm. what am I gonna do? So that was when uh, you know, I, I, I went out and find, found myself a, a CG125 that was barely hanging together. I mean, that thing had been maintained with a, with a hanger and a hammer, you know, it was just an absolute wreck. But I picked it up for the equipment, just under 300 quid, and then fully stripped it out, nuts and bolts restoration before modifying it into, in, into the Cafe Racer that's, that's up on the website now. Um, and that kept me busy up until the day that we, that, we, that we did finally move back. And then we've moved back into post-pandemic market, you know, housing market madness, uh, inflation madness, and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, like... At the end of the day, no progress is linear, is it? You know, as long as but as long as you as long as you are moving up or forwards, that's it. As long as the overall graph is this, then you're okay. But yeah, it's definitely been a been a tough uh, tough move. Um, but things 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 are kind of settling down now, which is which is great. And is it nice being home? Put it that way. Is it nice yeah, being I mean, back? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny because obviously, I mean, I was born in Bahrain. I was there until I was 16. Uh, yeah. Then I was back in the UK for 10 years for education and employment and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then and then went back to Bahrain in 07. But is it, it, it's amazing to be to, to be back. Yes, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a story of two halves in terms of, yes, it's been very difficult and it's been very stressful. But at the same time, we're still in that honeymoon period that i that i hope lasts a lot longer it's just greenery just being surrounded by greenery not being in a desert you know um yeah. bahrain was you know it was it was an incredible place to be it, it gave me a re really good head start and it gave me a lot of opportunities but it's it you know it's time was done for me um mm -hmm. and just not just the the greenery but i think it would have been very difficult for me to really communicate barnfield as a brand from the desert when you know it for me it's a quintessentially english um yeah. or, or british brand and it just makes sense that the imagery works here but more than that is like the people that i've been able to meet i yeah, yeah. you know yes you, you can do it like we are now 
but like you know I, I mean i met jonathan hull on uh through instagram through working on cgs um yeah. i've since been been up to pontefract two times and you know we, we chat a bunch i've managed to see thomas the, the guy from last match who's you know doing artwork for me going to the malay mile last year met loads of people and hopefully meet some more people next weekend you know, I think yeah. the, the opportunities to genuinely connect uh, are much better now Now that I'm back. It feels much smoother. Yeah, and, and smoother, but also post-pandemic, it's easier being in the same country. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. slightly closer. Okay, you're, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm not in the same country, but it's it's easier than, than being in Bahrain anyway. Yeah, I mean, even being on the same time zone, uh, it's yeah. really helpful. I mean, Bahrain in, in the winter, it's only three hours uh, ahead. Uh, and in, in the summer, it's two. But it does make a difference. You know, if we were to be catching up now, you know, it'd be like 10, 11 o'clock at night. And, you you know, you just got to be that much more uh, prepared and that much more on it. But, yeah, I, I think it just, it, as I say, it just feels that much more natural to be, to, to be able to connect with people, you know, and connect with people uh physically but also as i said like connecting with people through the imagery that's going out there that's like okay this is this this all ties in i mean like i said i was running a digital marketing agency so you know there is that awareness with marketing for me that you almost have to have your chain all the links of the chain through from like someone becoming aware of your brand through to actually uh, endorsing it or or buying something all those links need to need to need to join together um, to get someone through that journey and and you can you know you can you can have all of your links together until the last link and it just drops out and and kind of having the brand imagery so that it matches and it's on a par with with actually with the brand that i'm actually trying to build is a yeah. really important part of that yeah now on that note when you're talking about the brand um I have got quite. A, I've got a few questions, but I'm just going to randomly pick them tonight and not go yeah, from sure. one to ten. Um, as you touch on something, I'll try and come back. Um, why is the brand called Barnfield Customs? <laughs> well, I'm a big part of that was because where we were building the K100 was um, at Matt's house, uh, my, my mate Matt, uh, and yeah. it, it, it's called Barnfield Farm. And it's literally right. just, it was, that was, that was where it all started. And that was where I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. And I, I know I'm talking about building bikes and it's not like I'm building custom bikes to sell, you know, the, the, the building the custom bikes is, is in part for me to, it, it's something that I just, I just love doing. And I love the artistry of it. Um, I yep. think anyone who, who's actually following me personally has seen that, that, that I've only actually just done my CBT. I had my, my motorbike license in Bahrain, but, between yep. you and I, that, that does not count for anything. Um, yep. So, you know, the, the, actually riding the bikes is, I, I had a bike when I was 16. Um, I think looking back, I think it probably was a CG that I had back then. You know, again, it was, it was something off the side of the road sort of thing. Um, and, I, and I rode dirt bikes a bit. But between 16 and now, which I'm, I'm now 41, there's a huge gap of actually not, you know, not riding. And so my interest in the bikes was very much from a project and for you know from the artistry point of view now that i am riding again it's, it's like there's um there's a piece of the puzzle that's been filled in again though because just the, yeah. that just that sense of freedom and, and and just the 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 joy of actually just riding again you know is is, is amazing 
Um, but yeah, essentially, the bikes for, for me were the artistry. And uh, through that, building a community of people who kind of view the world through, through, through a similar lens, you know, where we're, we're building and we're making, you know. Um, and so, yeah, building the bikes and then it's a really important core part of Barnfield as a jacket company. Um, yep. And it all, it all started at Barnfield Farm at, at Matt's place. And so, you know, Barnfield just made so much sense. And, it, you know, it, 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 that's where, where it started, but also there's that sense of, 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 of heritage, of, of British heritage mm -hmm. with the name. Um, that heritage, the whole influence with the jackets was um, a picture of my great-grandfather in his World War, World War One uniform. And it yep. was taken just, just before he shipped out to France. Um, and then ultimately he, he went on to Gallipoli where he was actually shot by a sniper and, and, and killed. Um, but although, you know, I was saying about how I'd started to develop a surf brand uh, when I was at uni. And then if I go back further than that was I've always had an interest in clothing. Like I'd never say that I was into fashion, but I've always been interested in clothing and kind of how it makes you feel and, and how it can make you feel like part of the community. And that initially was, I mean, I started skateboarding when I was nine and there was a, there was a video, there was a, a video of a company called Pal Peralta and they had a video of all their, you know, their top skaters. And at the time we, we were talking mid eighties and there was a guy skating just so smooth, just looked amazing whilst he was skating. And he was wearing like, a pair of you know like braces like dungaree not dungarees but braces and he just kind of had them hanging down right. and then in another clip he, he was wearing a waistcoat so the first you know like, so i was begging my mum to get me a pair of braces and a waistcoat that i could wear you know with my neon t-shirt my calf calf jeans and all that sort of stuff and that that very quickly developed into you know i was you know sewing on patches onto things and like kind of customizing my trousers into shorts and and then, so it's, and then, then that kind of developed and then I was working, I think just at the beginning of uni, I was working for a streetwear company designing their clothing. So it's, it's always been this kind of thread throughout my life. And it's like how it kind of like makes you feel and how you can kind of demonstrate that you're part of a community. You know, there's yeah. this sense that like, you know, you see someone, I mean, Deus is the really obvious example. You see someone wearing a Deus t-shirt and, you know, there's that podcast, The Nod. And it is, mm -hmm. you, you, you know, you kind of like, yeah, I know who you are. You know, you, you and me, we're, we're, we're the same sort of thing. And that, that sense of community. And I then, when I saw that picture of my great grandfather, there was this sense that I can't even imagine. I mean, he was, you know, he was born in the late 1800s. He was born, he was actually born in Cardiff. And then uh, he moved to Birmingham. Uh, and I mean, he'd never left the country before. And I just couldn't, it was, it was, I just, when I saw this picture, I just, I couldn't imagine the fear that he must have felt. But at the same time, when he signed up uh, to the war effort, everyone who worked for him followed. So he was part of, uh, they called them the Pals Brigades. So it was like, it, you know, it was groups, it was literally of people who were friends and family were put together. Yeah. And so there was this idea that, you know, I had just a, this sense of community and, and of being and belonging. And like, as I say, I, I mean, you, you, you can't imagine the fear and the anxiety that he, that he must have felt. But at least 
there is this sense of of, be, of togetherness, you know, yep. through you know the, through being this this pals brigade, but also, you know, wearing the same uniform, wearing the same stuff. You know, you you could look around, you could see that they were South Staffordshire Brigade, and you know, you'd know that you were part of that. So that has always, uh, you know, there is obviously there's the heritage that influences the brand there as well from my great grandfather. Yeah. What's your proudest memory or achievement with both the jacket, the bike, but also outside of those things? Yeah, I think, I think I'll say, I've got three. I mean, the, the, the first one was getting that K100 going. Um, yep. And just that sense that after being sat behind the computer screen for so long, yeah. um, uh, just, just that it, I don't know. It's this, it's, it's, it's almost kind of primal thing that you're building and you're making, uh, you know. And when I was running my agency, I didn't have time, but we were successful to the point that I was able to buy myself stuff, you know. So you're kind of like, I've got no time. What do I do? I buy things, you know. It's almost like you're yep. filling a gap. So. Yep. I think it was in 2015, I bought myself a Porsche Cayman GT4. I mean, incredible piece of engineering, beautiful thing. But so quickly, and especially when I look back on it now, there's this aware, I had this awareness that I had swapped my money for this piece of engineering that I had nothing to do with. And now when I look at building the CG125, which is in no way perfect, it can't be, you know, it's my first build. But I'm so much prouder of that bike than I was owning the GT4. Um, yep. And I think so. So I think that there was getting the bike going. There was taking the CG from being totally battered to, you know, to being this thing that, uh, you know, to me is, you know, is, is a thing of beauty. Yep. And knowing that, uh, that I touched every single part of that and it was a full nuts and bolts restoration. Um, that... I'm super proud of. And I think with the jackets, because they're yet to launch, it's still a little bit muddled. But like, I think just recently, um, a guy, Barry from uh, Feast and Fables, I was chatting to him. And he recently published uh, an email newsletter to his community. And the words that he used to describe what I'm doing with Barnfield the fact that it's values led, the fact that it's, it's, it's more than the jackets. It's about the community. Um, yep. It's about supporting people and it's about creating a platform. You know, I, I talk about this and, you know, I talk about community and I talk about creating a platform to kind of shine the spotlight on other people. And that's yep. really important to me from a selfless point of view. It's, it, it, it's important, but from a selfish point of view, it's the fact that, I want to surround myself with inspired and inspiring people. You yeah, know? well, and, that, that, and... it's not selfish. I would, I would say it's not selfish because that's exactly what it is for me as well. So it's yeah. not, you know, it's selfish but, you know, to yeah. for being selfless. Yeah, but like, and, and, and it also, it makes, you know, like I, the joy I get out of like going up to see Jonathan, seeing that incredible yeah. bike that he built, his CV550, and kind of talking to him and, and making that connection and then being able to take photos, doing some videos and kind of like shining the spotlight on him and using Barnfield as a platform, mm -hmm. you know, 
that gives me so much more joy. It, I mean, I just couldn't do it than, than being like, hey, check out me. This is what I'm doing. I'm sharing my journey because I want people to see that this isn't, uh, you know, something that can just happen quickly. I want people to understand the sheer amount of work that's going into creating a jacket from, from scratch. Um, and, and just to bring people along who are, who, who are interested and, and want to connect, you know, pretty much everyone, sometimes I miss one or two people, but anyone who follows me on Barnfield on Instagram, I'll reach out to at some point, I'll reach out to, I'll send them a message. I'll thank them for following along. And I think that a lot of people think that that's a bot that, you know, that's just an automated message. But it is genuinely me re reaching out because I want to start those conversations. If someone's yeah. followed along, cool. You know, who are you? What do you do? Like, let, let's chat and yeah. let's, let, you know, let's, let's see where we connect. Um, and I think that that's, I mean, one of the, one of the points on my manifesto is, is, is uh, that, I, that I published recently is that, you know, especially through the pandemic, a lot of us have felt quite alone. Yeah. But there's... We're all out, you know, there, there's lots of us out there who view the world through the same lens. And yep. social media, it, yes, you know, anyone who's running, trying to run a business on Instagram at the moment is learning the way Facebook as a corporation works. You know, this happened to us when we were in, um, when I was running my digital agency in 2011, we launched the first kind of officially sanctioned Facebook page for a Porsche dealership um, out in Bahrain. And in within the first three months of doing it, we had 11,000 followers on, a, on an island of 1.4 million. So as a percentage, you know, that's, that's pretty high. Mm -hmm. By the time we finished, I think we, we, we'd gotten to a, uh, about 90,000 followers. But unless you put 10 bucks to boost each and every post, you'd get 12 views. Out of 90,000 people, they would show up to 12 people. So yeah. it's exactly what's happening with... Uh, with Instagram now yeah. is that it's, 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 it's an advertising platform um, and it's got to be used as part of a funnel to communicate with people rather than the only way to communicate with people. Uh, there's this uh, a, a phrase I use a lot, which is basically if you're, if you're trying to build, if you're building a business on Instagram or any kind of third party, and that's, that's your entirety of how you communicate with your audience it's like paying to build your dream house on rented land. You know, the landlord can whip it out from underneath you at any time. And, and, and Instagram does, they constantly change the algorithm because they're looking to compete with TikTok and the yep. TikTok audience is much younger. And so that's yep. why it's, it, you know, it's seven seconds. You know, I think that the whole idea with, with TikTok is that if you're, if you haven't grabbed someone within two seconds, they're on, they've moved on. And your, your video is going to go nowhere. And it's exactly, again, exactly the same with Instagram. You know, it's looking at seven seconds is, is the optimum time to, you know, to create a reel or something like that. But what value can you possibly communicate in seven seconds? You yeah. know, it, 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 yeah, it, it, it's, it's certainly not ideal if you're trying to create a brand with depth. Um, there are ways and means of, of working around it, but I, you know, really it's about, it's, it's about driving more advertising dollars into Instagram. And it's kind of like, for me, I, I, I've seen it happen. So I, I'm not hating on it. It is what it is. If, if, if we didn't have Instagram, how would we be having this conversation? I think I've got 
over one and a half thousand people oh. have now registered their interest, you know, to know when pre-orders open up for the jacket. How could I have possibly reached that amount of people without Instagram, yeah. whether it's working well or not? So I don't, I, I don't hate on it. I think you just got to figure out how to use it for your business. Now, you mentioned the manifesto. Yeah. Um, where did that come from? What's the, what's the reasoning behind the manifesto? Because you know, I mean, you and I have spoke before about that, and you know, I get quite a lot I, out of it. And, you know, there's a lot of that that kind of stokes my interest in morals and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, where did that come from for you? When I was running my agency, I created like a handbook for people who, you know, who, who started working for us. And I wanted to, even within that, I wanted to instill values so that people were aware of, even when I was running the agency, it wasn't just about what, you know, what work are we doing for the clients? What, you know, what are we getting out there? It's how do we work as, as an agency, as, as a group of people? You know, we'd always, always, always employ for culture fit first. And, yep. and then we would, we would educate and, you know, we, we would provide opportunities for them to, to learn and to grow. Um, because it was much more, even, even then, it was much more about having a small family um, of, of people that work together than anything else. And I, I think the only way that I could do that was to kind of demonstrate those, those values. And I think that the, the manifesto with Barnfield is a development on top of that. And I think it's just, for me, I'm trying to create something of value and something of depth and something that lasts, you know, throughout the whole thing. It's why the jackets are made of, uh, you know, organic cotton. It's not because it's cool to be sustainable now. In fact, even using organic fabrics, even producing in the UK, you can't call it sustainable because you're still taking from, you know, taking more from the planet than, you know, the, the, than you can. Yeah. And so, you know, like the fabric, you, you can't grow cotton in the UK. It needs to be grown in, in, in Turkey or Ukraine and it needs to be shipped over. So you're always going to have an impact there. But at least by using organic cottons, you haven't got all the pesticides being used. And so the pesticides damage the planet, but they also mess up the people who are having to spray this stuff and you know the 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 rates of cancer in you know in the farmers who are dealing with this stuff are immense and so i didn't want to be a part of that and that durability as well like i if someone buys a barnfield jacket i want them to be able to pass that down to their kids I want it to be durable and I want it to last. That's why, again, that's why the whole military influence and kind of workwear, because it's not something that's on trend. It's, you know, you look at the trench coat, you look at the bomber jacket, you look at the T-shirt, like all of this stuff is, is military influence. And you could pick up a trench coat from 1950, wear it today, it's still going to look good. So yeah. there's, there's that sense of, of, of durability. And I think that that is why that's where the manifesto comes into it as well, is that this is a, it's a values-led business. It isn't a profit-led business. You know, I think at the moment, every day that goes past, my raw materials costs go up because of, you know, like there was a huge amount of cotton comes in from Ukraine and Russia 
And so now with the problems there, there's a lot more pressure elsewhere. And so those prices are ramping up. It's looking, I've, I've said from the beginning, it's looking like the jacket would probably be between three nine, 395 pounds and 495 pounds. I don't want to move that. And so this is not a business, especially at this stage, this is not a business about making profit. Of course, it needs to, to be sustainable in itself. And so that I can then create, I want to be able to create opportunities for these inspired and inspiring people that I'm meeting. You know, yeah. um, and, and I can only do that if the business is bringing in money. But especially initially, this is about setting out my stall and saying, this is what the business is about. Um, we're about quality, durability and, and being values led. And it's much more about that community than it is about making a fast buck. You and I have spoke quite a lot recently, the past few months, especially about the manifesto. Yeah. When you're po mm. posting the things up, I'm commenting back and you know, we're having a conversation firstly online for everyone to see um, yeah. about whatever whatever number of the manifesto you post up because um, yeah. it resonates with me and, you know, I'm giving you my feedback. Um, but for, for people watching who don't know where the manifesto is, how are they able to go, where are they able to go to, to get a hold of that or to read it or to have a look? Yeah, I mean, there's there's two places. I mean, the website's the the, the, the best place because it's all laid out there. Um, and yes. it's, it's, tw it, it's 21 points. And, like, you know, I've had people say, oh, God, 21 points. I mean, you know, it's, it, you're going on a bit, you know. Could you not condense it? But each one of those points puts the pieces of the puzzle together and kind of demonstrates what, Barnfield is as a brand. I mean, uh, Barnfield is an extension of me. You know, yes, it's a brand, but it's an extension of me. And, 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 and that's why all the posts I'm saying, I am doing this, I'm doing that, because I am literally, you know, kind of founder and CEO down to T-Boy. You know, I'm, I'm out there taking the photos. I've put the website together. Um, yeah. You know, I'm, okay, I'm not stitching the jackets together, but the, the, you know, the first prototypes, I was involved with that. You know, I've got my own sewing machine. And so, you know, my, my, my hands or my fingers are on every single part of, of, of yeah. the business. And so, you know, I'm keen to kind of demonstrate what the business is all about and, and who I am behind that. And I think that, yeah, so the website is the best place. I've read this also in the highlights um, on, on, on the Instagram uh, account as well. Yeah, the 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 I never know what they're called, those things along the top, the highlights. Yeah, highlights, stories highlights, yeah. Um, oh, there's now I find it my question about the manifesto. Um, in regard to the skills you have, and you're talking there about you have your own sewing machine and stuff, what skill would you like to learn that you haven't yet tried? Either being jacket related or bike related or anything. Is there anything that <laughs> you can niggle? Tuning, tuning calves would be good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think there's, you know, like with, with that, it's developing, I think it's more just developing skills, you know, I think, yeah. I mean, there's so much that, that you can try, but there's, there's someone who was a huge influence on me, uh, and, and the business is this guy, David Hyatt. Um, and he has a, a denim company called Hyatt Denim. Um, uh, it's based out, it's, it's based in Cardigan, uh, in Wales. And at one point in the 80s, they, they were creating denim there. Nothing to do with David Hyatt, but they, were, they, they had a denim factory in, in Cardigan. 
And out of the 4,000 people who lived in Cardigan, 400 of them worked in the denim factory. Okay. So when mo more um, jeans and denim manufacturing moved over to China, 400 of those people, 400 of the 4,000 people in that town lost their jobs. So overnight, there was 10% you know, unemployment. And so David Hyatt, actually, he used to own a company called Howie's, which was kind of a pseudo skate brand. And then that was sold to Timberland. Yeah. And then after that, he then, you know, he's from, from Wales. And so his intention was move back to Cardigan, get that town making jeans again. And so rather than focusing on costs, they focus on quality. Um, and, it, and it's getting those people working again. And that's a, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a mission that I really kind of connect with, the fact that there's more to the company than just um, creating denim. Um, but he talks about one of the things that's, that, that he pushes a lot is do one thing well. Rather than trying to be, rather than trying to do loads of things at the same time, do one thing well. Um, I think in reality, there's, you know, there is so much, you know, we're, we're bombarded with information, whether it's podcasts, whether it's social media, whatever it is. And if you allow yourself, you can never feel enough because yep. there's always people doing more. And especially, I, I think, I just don't think that our brains have evolved deal with information the way it comes in and on social media. You know, I stopped, uh, you know, I stopped looking at Facebook years ago and a, and a big part of that was because I would log in and one of my friends was on holiday. Another one had just bought a new car. Another one had bought a new house. And, and you, you, you end up then condensing this into one person and you're like, why aren't I on holiday? Why have yep. I bought a new car? Like, you know, and, and I just don't think our brains have, uh, have kind of evolved to deal with that. Um, and so rather than trying, rather than saying that I would like to develop another skill, I'd like, I, I'm always keen to d develop more depth in the skills that I have. I don't think I've had that one before because there's always like, I would like to learn, you know, tuning carbs. Oh, there's, always, there's always oh. something. I mean, I've, I've, I've got like a, like 10 or 11 courses that I've, you know, that I've bought, but I haven't, you know, I've, I've gotten halfway through. You know, I might speak a big game, but uh, you know, we're you know we're all we're all human at the end of the day, and I think that I just have to remind myself, bring myself back to you know back to the middle, and kind of just focus on that. Do one thing well, you know, whether it's in the moment where you're like, right, I need to update the website to include this information or whatever. Turn off the phones, focus on that, you know, or yeah. uh, this the starter motor isn't working, or I'm working with a mate now. On uh, he's got a, a CBR one two five that you know is you know it was uh, it was bend round a roundabout and needs needs a bit of work and you know again being like right okay so the indicators are coming on I could hear the relay coming on but it, the, you know it's not flashing so obviously there's an issue with the flasher relay and you know just looking at those individual what's in front of you and kind of dealing with that you know in the moment yeah yeah like we spoke about before again the touches on the Excuse me, the bite sized chunks. You know, yeah. deal, deal, yeah, dealing with what we have to deal with in the moment, whether it be a flasher relay or whatever it may be. It's a bit, yeah. you know, dealing with that flasher relay will then allow part B, part C, part D to they all kind yeah. of connect up together again. Um, Rather than looking at the whole thing and going, like, oh my God, I'm just getting overwhelmed by it. Like, how am I going to do this? 
just yeah. start. Just and that that's something that I think is so important. I think there's so many people who have a huge amount to offer. Um, you know, whether it's their 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 community, whether it's the world at a larger uh, scale, but I think people are so scared just to get started, and people get stuck in kind of research mode. Is I just yeah. for, for me, it's like just take action. Action will lead on to more action. You know, you might not get it right, but it doesn't matter. You know, just just take that action. The one that I always you're talking about, and there's an, an an old analogy coming in my head. Um, there's three frogs sitting on a log. One of them decides to jump off. How many frogs are left on the log? I'm going to go with two. Three. You only decided. Uh, yeah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's that you have to take the action. It's easy enough to make the yeah. decision, but we have to follow the decisions through with an action yeah. for, for anything yeah. to happen. So, um, when you're talking about your, you know, putting the action in and, and just picking up the screwdriver and undoing a wire or whatever it may be, we have yeah, to. That's it. I mean, I'm not I saying, mean, I'm I've been not saying kind of like just throw yourself at it. Like, I mean, uh, I did with the CG uh, that I built. Uh, you know, like uh, that was, I wrote it for half an hour and then I was just, I'm just so excited to get started on it. You know, there was absolutely no preparation to it. You know, now I will have boxes that, are, that, that I can label. The, you know, yeah. the K100, but the, you know, the CG, there was bolts everywhere. And when I was, yeah, I had no idea what went where when I was then putting it together. I mean, you know, obviously I learned, but um, preparation is useful, but it's only useful to a point and then you just got to get on with it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I got stuck when it came to rewiring this bike and buying the wires and buying all the equipment. I got stuck in kind of research mode and accumulating all the yeah, things okay. that I might need for the job, but it, it was extending, it was putting the job off. So, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, putting off starting Research. the job. And I, yeah. Research yeah. can definitely end up being a form of procrastination because you feel like you're doing something. You know, you yeah. feel like, you, you know, as I say, like, I mean, it has its place. So, you know, certain things do need a lot of research, but, uh, you know, you have to know when the cutoff point is and, and you know, just get moving. Um, you're talking about community there. Mm. Yeah, and you've mentioned that a few times. But you personally, what does the community or community mean to you? Does that... I mean, I think that support is the first word that comes to mind. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think that... Well, so when I was building the CG... The first person who I was actually in touch with was uh, Frederick, a uh, person who uh, he ran uh, Paul motorcycles over in Sweden. And I think he, you know, he, he, he mainly focused on late 70s, CB 550s, CB 750s. Um, and he put a video up on YouTube about the best way to kind of uh, create a template for your seat pan once you, you know, put your rear loop in and, and, and made all your changes. He was like, you know, rather than kind of trying to sketch something out in cardboard and cutting off little pieces, does it fit in? Cut off another piece, does it fit in? So get thick white masking tape and tape it across the whole of the, the, the rear frame where, you, where your seat is. Go across so it's overlapping. And then you can go underneath with a marker pen and just mark it out on that. Take that off stick it on your card and then you've got a perfect 
template to, to cut around. And so I was, it was exactly at that point I needed that information. But I can't remember which part it was, but he was just like, and stay tuned for part two. And part two wasn't there, and this was three months later. So I just reached out to Frederick, and I was just like, hey, I was hoping you had part two around. Noticed you'd stop posting. Is everything okay? And then from there, we just ended up going back and forth. And now Frederick's a great friend of mine. You know, and it was through, it was through reaching out uh, and kind of like, it, I mean, I think for, for him at the time, the business was going through a restructure and, and, and he wasn't in a great place. And so that by reaching out, I was then able to help support him. He was supporting me building the bike. And so, yeah, I think support is the most, most important part of it because, yeah, you know, like we're, we're, we're all doing our own things. We're all on our own paths. But at the same time, the more support you can have around you um the better so yeah i think if i was to say what does community mean to me it, it, it's support yeah i would agree with that um and i, I think for me it's it's the balance of this giving but also receiving you know it's that and being aware yeah. of that being aware that um maybe like you know i'm trying to i'm trying to support as well as be supported and not again it goes back to what you said earlier about the selfishness yeah. and selflessness um of yeah. it all. Uh, following on for that what keeps you grounded would you say nowadays especially after what you what you said earlier about you know the burnout you've you've been quite open about that before what would keep you grounded yeah. nowadays having the bikes to work on and having a sense of purpose definitely keeps me grounded. Um, there are times, like, though anyone who's been following along on the journey, I'm now on the, like, the sixth prototype of the, the first jacket that I intended on launching, you know, three years yeah. ago. Um, but I'm not willing to put it out until it's right. And so that can be incredibly frustrating and it's been difficult obviously moving country and and finding different people i can work with and all that sort of things um and it can be it is there are days when i don't feel grounded you know when i feel like you know like this is it's going to be another year until i get this thing out and if i open up pre-orders you know how long is that going to take and um but being able to you know still having that sense of purpose and I think, it, again, it comes back to community. You know, the, the community keeps me grounded as well. Um, being able to talk to people. And, 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 and I think because I'm able to go much more long form in the emails that I send out. Um, and I'm amazed at how much response I get from, from the emails. You know, I get, yeah. I'll get people writing back who genuinely connect with, with the journey and everything that I'm trying to share. Um, and again, that... that, that is a you know it's a slightly different community interestingly because i think people who are engaging with the emails are engaging you know a lot of the time i've seen that they've had to read through to the end and i don't keep that you know those emails aren't short and so they've really engaged with the information there before they've you know reached back um but again yeah building the bikes having that having that to you know and, and i haven't had a garage for a while but now that i'm working on the cbr with a with a mate of mine you know that has reminded me how important it is to be working with your hands um, and have that almost like, you know, it, it is almost like kind of a meditation when you've got that very yeah. clear path in front of you. 
I need to take this starter motor from not working to working, you know, and there's, there's a very clear kind of start and finish. Um, and that, that, that definitely keeps me grounded. You're talking about the bikes and working on the bikes. After again, going back to Bahrain and the, and the, you know, the kind of overload of all the work. Would you mm. say that now working on the bikes, would it be a, a kind of form of, for want of a better phrase, physical therapy? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that I almost, it's a, it's, it's a tough one because the hours that we were pulling, you know, I couldn't have taken on another project. But then I wonder, had I have had another project that was fulfilling me in that personal way, would I have maybe taken on less work? Because yeah. the agency became this thing that, you know, it, it, was, it was all encompassing. Uh, and it was like this, um, you know, I thought that I would have some sort of sense of legacy out of it. Um, and and, and to, a, to a degree, I do. I mean, when, when I closed, Two of the two of the employees wrote to my wife and I afterwards, you know, thanking us for the opportunities that, that we created and for the environment that we created. And we, you know, I know this sounds like I'm, but you know, we 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 won awards for the work that we did, you know, and we did. We worked with some big clients. We were working for the government. We were working for, as I said before, Porsche, Audi, all that sort of stuff. So you know, we did some some great work. But none of that matters or, or it all pales in comparison to getting those emails from, you know, from the employees after, you know, after we, we shut the agency down um, and thanking us for that, for, for that environment that we created. So, yeah, it, it, it became all encompassing. And I, and I do wonder maybe if I'd had a project that I was, you know, had that kind of physical therapy that, that I, that I wanted to get out of the agency to, get into my garage to start building a bike, whether, whether I'd still be doing it now, who knows, it, you know, like it, it's, it's, a, it's a game of what if, um, yeah. but for me now, yeah, for sure. Like it is, a, it is, you know, going to the gym and all that sort of stuff is important, staying fit. Um, Cause my, my grandparents are on my, on my dad's side, both died of strokes. Um, and then some years ago, my dad had a heart attack and then I did um, genetic testing and what came out of that is that I've got all the genetic, the same genetic markers for, for, for potential cardiac issues. So staying fit is, you know, is, is an important part of, of, of things, but it can also be a stress in itself because you're like, yeah. you know, you, you're putting your body under stress. If you don't go, you're putting yourself under stress because you're like, oh, I should have gone, you know, I've got to keep fit. It's really important for me, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Whereas, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that bikes don't have their stress. You know, I was definitely kicking stuff around the garage um, with the CG, uh, uh, you know, a number of times. But um, generally, you know, it's not a physical stress, and it is just something you can you can focus your mind on, and you know, and and it's that that whole thing that when you do when you are getting very anxious or, or whatever, if you can focus on your your breath, you kind of almost short circuit your brain, and yep. I think it's the same with using your hands you know you, you can't unless it's something really menial like sanding something down you can't drift just drift away you know you do have to be focused on what you're doing if you're going to do it yeah. well yeah well i mean you and i have spoke about that before about the mindfulness thing and i'm bringing that up because you're mentioning the breathing 
and mindfulness is very much when you're working on a bike or when you're, you know, you're designing something, you're drawing something. Um, you need to be mindful of what you're doing. You're, you're very much in the moment when you're doing those kind of tasks. Yeah. yeah. And and with some of these yeah. bike knobs with power tools, you can't drift. You know, you have to be mindful. Yeah, yeah you've got you to be there. And present in the moment. Um, having been through what you've been through and then finding a bike is a sort of therapy. Does that help you nowadays keep the balance? Would it like keep you grounded? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's hard to say because since I, I've moved back, we, we've been in you know in a rented apartment. I haven't had that, um, but what I can say is that I've missed it, um, mm -hmm. and and it's only recently in the, in the last couple of weeks that I've been able to start kind of you know working again. Um, and so I would definitely say that, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I've missed it and, and it's been one of the pushes that I've been like, I, I want to get into a house so that I can have a garage again. And so I've got somewhere to, to, to work, um, and somewhere that's easy. Like, I mean, I, I know that, um, again, my mate Matt, he's building a, a, a Datsun 240Z, you know, lovely, lovely car and, and something we've, we've both really been into for years. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll go and help him every so often, but it's very different when you've got, it's just in your garage. And in that moment, when you need that, that kind of like step to step away, yeah. you can just, yeah. you can just go. It's very, you know, it doesn't, it, does, it doesn't give you, it's cool to be involved with doing the work, of course, but it's not the same as when you can just step out and, and yeah. you know, and just, just get on with something. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I can, I can agree there in the sense that I have this on, you know, my shed is, thankfully, it's on the doorstep. And that, I mean, I call this place, for, for those that don't know, I call this my shed of solitude. Like, Superman back in the day yeah. had his fortress of solitude. So, um, I mean, I've discussed it with people before about, having a commute as such to their garage or to their workshop. Yeah. And, and and I think in a summer's evening where it's nice, you don't mind the drive. Yeah. Because you know, you, if you've done a day's work and then you have to do a 30-minute drive or, a, or an hour drive or whatever it may be to get to your your shed of solitude, um, you quite enjoy the drive and that drive gives you the space to switch off. Yeah. But the flip side of that in the winter when it's cold and dark, and you you know, you just want to go home. You don't want yeah. to have to. So it's, I, I mean, I can understand it. Well, there's that, there's, there's, there's that. And it's also just having your project in your space. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it doesn't matter if you do five minutes on it or yeah. three hours. You know, uh, I think that's, you know, that's, it's, it's a big difference. But as I say, I'm not complaining, you know, like I'm surrounded by people who are building and, and making stuff and, you know, I, I can get involved with it. So, you know, it, it, it's amazing. Well, there's one of the questions you're talking about, you're surrounded by. Um, one of the things I've not asked, which I normally ask, can I early on is, where is Barnfield Customs? Where, where is Mark? Yeah, so physically, like I, I'm located, I'm in Nottingham. Um, which is when I came back, I, I went to university here. Uh, my brother went to uni here uh, and was, was, was based here. My folks were down in Bristol, uh, sort of towards Sirencester. And a few years, they, they moved up to Nottingham as, as well. So when we moved back to the UK, 
you know, I mean, we, we've just come back from where uh, my wife and I went down to Devon and I mean, it's stunning down there and like the roads, you know, for riding, you know, just incredible. Um, yeah. And so, and, and actually we were chatting to someone at lunch and they were like, why Nottingham? Um, I mean, the, the, the amazing thing about, uh, about being here is it's so central in the country. Like it only took us four hours to get down to Devon. It takes me an hour and a half to get up to Pontefract where, where Jonathan is, you know, two hours to get to York. You know, it's so central. It's, it's actually really well located. And Mallow Mile now being at Grimsthorpe Castle is only 30 miles away. So that's always a good thing to have an event near us. Um, uh, and also, yeah, and, and, and Matt, uh, who I'm building the bike with, is, is, you know, just down the road. My brother's just here. So Nottingham makes a lot of sense. Uh, for us. So, and, and the plan is to put down roots, so to speak, in Nottingham. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because it, it didn't it didn't make sense for us to come back from being away from family, being in Bahrain, and then move back to the UK and and not be near family. You know what? What yep. you know, you may as well be in another country as soon as you're a couple of hours away. Um, yep. So the idea is uh, is to stay within kind of twenty minutes of of, of my family. Um, which hopefully we'll be able to find a place and, and do that. Um, I want to you know, touch more on the on the Lawrence, the jacket. Um, yeah. You, you, yeah. You've mentioned that about you know the kind of idea and the photograph of your grandfather. Um, why, for those that don't know, um, why is it called the Lawrence? Where did the name come from? Yeah. So I mean, like kind of like the 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 short answer is is T Lawrence of, of Lawrence of Arabia. Um, the longer answer is that after I kind of been had this this influence of my great grandfather in in his uh, World War One uniform, and, and I think at the, the the time, as I said, I'd kind of come out of the, uh, running the agency and kind of dabbled with this idea of creating um, a, a clothing brand. And I was actually at the time I was looking at creating like an athletic wear brand because I was very into the fitness uh, and all that sort of stuff, but super quickly it didn't feel right like something you know there was a there was a piece of the puzzle missing and i think it was that that sense of durability that i was talking about and that longevity you know if if i'm if i'm making something that's trendy now it's not going to be in in a couple of years time and there is no point making clothing out of sustainable fabrics if they're going to be chucked out next year because they're not cool so That was that it was about that time that I was like, I've, I've already I'd actually already sunk about 18 months into developing that brand. And I'd had, you know, samples made up of T-shirts, hoodies, track pants, all that sort of things. And it just kind of hit me that it didn't feel right. And that I felt really lost at that point because I was like, I've already sunk 18 months into this. I don't want to go back to doing the digital marketing stuff. You know, as I said, I kind of had a physical reaction when I went back into the office um, yeah. that time. Um, and I know that sounds mad because I just talked about, you know, just, you know, burnout or whatever. But I, I mean, there were a number of times like I, I spent 24 hours on a heart rate monitor because I was having, you know, uh, heart arrhythmia. It wasn't palpitations. It was like arrhythmia. Yeah. Um, you know, I had stomach ulcers. I had crazy headaches, all that sort of stuff. So it was, you know, it was, there was a physical manifestation of, of, of that burnout. So I really, really, really didn't want to go back to the agency, but I felt that, the athletic wear brand, it just wasn't wasn't right. You know, at the core of it, it wasn't right. It didn't sit well with my values. 
uh, and I think it was it was it, it was then that I saw this picture of my great grandfather. I mean, I, I'd seen it for years, you know, like it had been up in it, uh, uh, at home for years. But it was then when I saw it that it really kind of affected me, and I started looking at. It, I was like, you know, like I mean, I've ex explained all the, the the thinking behind that, but then with this idea of kind of like creating a clothing brand, I was like, you know, I started to 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 look at what he was wearing in his jacket and this idea of like military form follows function um making sure that it's you know of course it's going to be durable um you know the fabrics are going to be good and one of the things that i tend to think is like i'll think you know, my great-grandfather's name was william and i'll think what would william wear as in would he recognize what i'm creating as being quality and of course if it's created that if it's made using polyester or something like that you know he wouldn't even recognize it you know certainly wouldn't invest in it um and so yeah so that 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 drove that and i was looking online for, for military jackets and and seeing you know the cut and the shape of it and all that sort of stuff and like i kept on coming across this picture of a guy a uh, black and white picture he's in um an army officer's uniform and he, a big smile on his face and he sat astride of a motorbike and talking to this guy on these two canes. And I was just, I was, I was like, there has to be a, you know, what's the story behind this? There has to be a story. And it was, the guy on the bike was T. Lawrence of Lawrence of Arabia, who he kind of made his name, a lot of it in, in Saudi Arabia, which was literally just, a, you know, there's a causeway that connects Bahrain to Saudi Arabia. Um, and then, who he was speaking to was George Bruff, who obviously was, you know, headed up and, and designed Bruff Superiors. And they were made about 10 miles away, just down the road from where I'm kind of building bikes. So there was this right. real kind of sense of almost serendipity, you know, of things coming together of like, yeah. I've got this influence through my great grandfather and the jacket and it fits from a values point of view. And then there's this guy who, you know, I mean, I remember watching Lawrence of Arabia when I was a kid, you know, I think with, obviously not with my great-grandfather, but my mum's father with, 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 with my grandfather and kind of, at the time, I think as a kid, sitting through four hours of it and just not understanding any of it. But then watching it again more recently and just seeing the artistry behind the, the you know, the videography and, and the storytelling there. And, uh, but more than anything, just seeing, yeah, there was this guy who made his name, you know, probably like 10 miles away from where I, where, where I grew up and where I have, where I have some serious history. And then he's speaking to this guy who's building bike, who was building, you know, incredible bikes at the time. I think they were known as like, you know, they were known as like the Rolls Royce of motorbikes at the time. And so there's this sense of quality and detail that comes out of that. And it just, all the values aligned and it just felt, felt like the, the kind of, yeah, the stars aligned with the, with the story there. And it just, it really, it just kind of like it really motivated me because I was like, this feels right. Now let's move forward with it. Um, and that's where, so that's where, that's, that's why the jacket's the, the, the Lawrence jacket, because it is this military inspired um, jacket. And that's the, the military form and function that is, you know, it's, it's even down to, obviously it's got the epaulets and, and, you know, and down to the collar. Um, but even just looking at the cut of it, and how it's worn, looking at other military uniforms and all that sort of side of things. So that's essentially where, where you know, yeah, where Lawrence comes into it. And, and 
I'm thinking as you're talking the the, um, the journey, you know, the journey that Lawrence himself went off on. No, okay, it was his his personal journey was longer than the length of the movie, but yeah, yeah, that, that ties in also with the journey you've had with the Bahrain yeah. back to the UK and and the process of from what I've seen over the past year year and a half of developing the jacket and the yeah. you know from the prototype and the different cuts. Like recently, you did the I think it was the tuck in the in the middle of the back. Yeah, with the shoulders, the the, the the way that the shoulders were sitting. Um and this is why this is why I've done six prototypes. Like I was saying, like I'm not prepared to put it out. Like I, I fight against the term perfectionist because the perfectionist won't put anything out. Um yeah. but I I have very high standards, um, especially for this jacket. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not gonna put it out if I'm not proud of it, because I don't think anyone else could be proud of it of wearing it if I'm not proud of putting it out there. So yeah, so that was, I hadn't noticed it from the, you know, the front of the jacket. I was like, okay, good. We're good to go. Let's, let, you know, let's, let's get this moving. And then um, I'm lucky, really lucky that Amy, my wife, is a great photographer as well. So, you know, I was getting her to take some photos of me and I saw the back of it and I was like, this is not right. You know, the, the, the fabric was just kind of folding in on itself on the shoulders. And that just totally took away from that sharp, uh, structured military look that I was going for. Um, and so that, yeah, that sent me back a, a, a whole whack. There was that. And then there was also, I sent the jacket to Abby from um, her Instagram Instagram account is uh, Grease and Grain, uh, takes some incredible f- photos. And she offered to take some photos for me. So I t- sent the jacket down to her and everyone that she tried it, that, that tried it on that would normally wear a large couldn't do it up on the chest. And that was when I found out that even though we'd done all the measurements, we'd done all the patterns, when they'd actually, when the samples in the different sizes had been made by the, the team I was working with, they'd all be made an inch too small on the chest in comparison to the, what, what they should have been made, made. So that set me back. So, yeah, there's, 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 you know, there's, there's been a bunch of, um, bunch of setbacks with it, but each prototype has kind of dealt with those issues. But I mean, what what you're saying there about you know you you don't want to put it out, you don't want to release it until you're happy with it. And and what you said there, maybe five minutes ago, you were saying about designing the sportswear. One of the mottos I kind of use quite a lot, and and I, I spoke to you before about it, is staying true to yourself. Yeah. And it, and it's those that's what's as you're telling me those two things there. That's what's coming up for me as. You know, you're staying true to yourself. You're you're doing things to the best of your ability. You're not seeking perfection, yeah. but you're seeking a high standard so that you can be proud of it, so that the customer who buys the jacket can then be proud of it. Yeah, yeah, because I I think it's one of those things. That, you know, if if you're not proud of what you're putting out there, why should anyone else be? Yeah. Um. You know, and and one of the things we talk about the tra- the journey and all that sort of side of things. One of the parts of jackets that I haven't spoken about yet is that the lining of all of the jackets is going to have this bespoke piece of art on it that's, that's being created by um, his Instagram account, uh, account handle is uh, Last Maps. Yeah. And if you're into art and design in any way, like his work is incredible. It's, yeah. it, you know, it's, it, it's all dot work. So it dots and lines, but primarily dots. So um, one of the pieces of art that I have up in my office is he did um, 
uh, you know, a, a depiction of the moon. And it's photorealistic. It's, you know, it's, it's incredible. And it's all done by hand with individual dots. Yeah, it's just, it's just incredible work. And so, again, like, I was put in touch with him through a mutual friend. Um, and as soon as I saw his work, you know, I was like, what, you know, how can Barnfield, again, create a platform to bring him on board? And that was, you know, it was, it, I mean, he's, we've been working for about a year and a half on, on, on the artwork, and he's been really patient with me as, as, as we've been getting it right. But this piece of art is, I think there's a hundred, at the moment, there's 121 individual icons that represent um, uh, Great Britain and, and, and the British Isles in different ways. You know, it, you know obviously, in, in some parts, you have something like Stonehenge or the White Cliffs of Dover. Or you might have something like a Brough Superior SS100 or a Spitfire, you know, things that are like kind of inherently British. But the idea is that it's, it's representing a journey from the north of the country um, down to the south and winter down to, to summer. And so it's the piece of art itself is kind of representing journeys without it, you know, being, being very obvious. But the, the concept is, is, is journeys and a transformation. And that, again, is rooted in the motorbikes of, of, of you know, the, the, the journey you go on, obviously, if you're riding a bike, but the journey you go on of transformation of taking a bike that, um, you know, is, is, is ready for the scrapyard and kind of like feeding your time, attention and care into it to create this thing of beauty. And that yeah. sense of transformation in yourself as well when, you, when you've done that and the, 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 the pride that you feel from, from using your hands in that way. So... It's kind of like every single part of this project is is rooted in something like nothing, nothing. Everything has been done for a reason. Even yep. the 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 buttons on the front of the jacket, you know, they they're, they're made out of a, a resin called Corozo. It's, it's, it's from the, the seed of a nut. And so instead of using plastics, we're using more sustainable, fab, uh, more sustainable materials. And then each of the, those are being laser etched with the. Uh, with the with the Barnfield Customs logo, so it's you know again come back to the manifesto. The devil's in the details. Yeah, and I seen that the other day. You're talking about the buttons, and that that's why I was kind of pointing at you. There was I seen the, the yeah. I think it was a post you put up just before the weekend of the buttons, and I thought that's a mm -hmm. really nice detail. Um, yeah, it's it, and I think it's 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 throughout the whole thing. And like one of the things with this, the reason there's so many individual icons that make up this piece of art is that there's so okay. There's 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 two kind of elements to the artwork. One is that for each jacket, depending on the size, I'll need between uh, a meter and a half and, and two meters of lining uh, of, of the fabric for the lining, which is also quilted with British wool from up in Shipley. But the, so the, but the artwork is being created, so it's three meters in length. So no, it, you know, the artwork is printed on a roll and then that'll be quilted and then it'll be cut up and put, put into, the, in, into the individual jackets. But no single jacket will have the whole piece of art on it. Uh, and so every single jacket will be slightly different. So there's 300 jackets that I'm creating or 300 individual units of the same style each one of them will be different. So it's already kind of a rare item. And then even within that, it's, it, 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 but, but the purpose isn't just to make it rare for the sake of it. Again, it's about connections. It's that 
if you know that your jacket is slightly different to somebody else's with the you know with the artwork on the lining and you walk walk past someone wearing that same jacket rather than just being like oh hey that guy's wearing the same jacket and kind of nod and and, and move on you're way more likely to start up a conversation and yeah. and and make a connection through that because you know what icons did 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 tom from last match use to represent what part of the country and what, what's your favorite and then the other part of it is that it with that level of complexity every time you pick up the jacket i'm hoping there's going to be something you haven't seen you know that it's something yeah. new and that you know it kind of delights you every time you pick it up and so it's wearing that jacket is more of an experience every time whether it's connecting with somebody else or whether it's connecting with the artwork and and kind of connecting with the whole story and that's what it's 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 the journey the like the, the journey from initial thought to finished article i'm not going to say prototype because you're at prototype yeah. but the finished article and the, and the, the continue what i can see is there's a continued you have a continued passion there for it. You've maybe faced a few hurdles, but yeah, you know you're you're tackling them and you're 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 looking at things, trying to look at things from a different angle and go at it a different way. But I love that there what you just said about the lining being slightly different, and you know the, the striking up the conversation when you see someone who has the same item but you know and they know it's slightly different and it's going to strike up conversation. Yeah. I think that's really yeah. that's cool. It's a cool well, it's, commu it, 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 it's community again, right? The, I, you yep. know, it, it's, I think it demonstrates, I think what I'm trying to do is to put layers onto this, you know, onto everything that I'm doing with, with, with Barnfield. So it, it, it builds a depth to it, you know, and it's not, again, it's not, you know, like I, I, I got called out, you know, like, ah, oh, you're only creating 300 jackets for some marketing bullshit. And it's not at all. It's at 300 jackets, that is absolutely the maximum that I personally can oversee and make sure that they're done to the quality that I want them to be done at. Um, as a one-man band trying to make this happen, the yeah. last thing I want to do is to, is, is to, is to overpromise and underperform. Um, and I think that that's, you know, again, no decision has been made without grounding it in the values of the business. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why, again, like, you know, why are we doing this? Why are we doing the, the art at three meters and, and cutting it smaller for each jacket so that it helps facilitate connections and develops yeah. community? Yeah. I mean, from what, and I think I've said this to you before in some of our talks, but your manifesto, you know, for you is your kind of personal foundations of what you are doing. That is the Yeah. You know, the foundation of the house, so to speak. If a, yeah. if, a house, if a house is built on shaky foundations, there's no way the house is going to endure. Um, yeah, exactly. But, and I think by writing it down, it it makes me completely accountable to it. You yeah. know, like I, I, one of the points is is, is people uh, and planet rather than people or planet. You know, like within the sustainability side of things. You know, right now with or with with cotton prices going through the roof, I could go. Right, I'm going to use conventionally grown cotton here because then I'll be able to cut the prices and I'll continue to uh, and I'll be able to make a profit. But if I've written down there and publicly stated people and planet, not people or planet, and then I go and make a decision like that, 
it demonstrates that you know like it, it yeah i have to be i have to be true to that and it, i don't need to write it down to be true to it but it's just another way of, of, of kind of setting out my stall and saying this is what we're about and and you can call me on it as well and i think i'm very clear on the sustainability side of things like i was saying at the beginning no business can be truly sustainable and so i pick out what's important to me and what's important to me is the is the planet side of things of course we don't want to be putting pesticides into the into the ground the more that we can avoid that but the durability side of things is important for me as well so for instance when i was looking at the at, with the quilting at, at the lining if i just go because the, the 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 cotton lining is printed on organic cotton so we've got organic cotton and then we've got wool sourced locally so it's british wool it, you know it's not polyester or something like that you know it is it is wool if i just stitch that directly together then it's likely that the wool fibers will come through the the cotton and that ruins the durability side of things because you're not going to want you know that one is going to ruin the artwork but it's also from a durability point of view it's going to look knackered way sooner yep. Yep. so with that i am having to make a call to try and find the the best possible solution because at the moment most quilting will have man-made fabrics in there as well and it may be that in that small percentage of the jacket i have to use a man-made fabric to, in order to protect the wool from coming through the, the cotton. I'm trying to find a solution, but right now the best solution is the man-made one because it will make that jacket last longer. And so it's this constant weighing up of factors, um, you know, within the sustainability side of things. And I think being clear on that, and that's again why writing down the manifesto and just kind of putting myself out there and being clear on it, I have to be true to my word with it. And someone can say to me, well, you know, it's not, you know, it's not truly sustainable if you're using a polyester lining on the quilting. But I can, because I'm looking into every single part of this jacket in the detail that I am, I have a justified answer there as to why I'm making that choice. And it's not yeah. from a profitability point of view. It's not an easy fix point of view. It's a, this is how the jacket is going to be as durable as it possibly can be and last for as long as it can be can do which again ties in with the sustainability it's a balance yeah and it ties in again with the photograph you know of the duration of one of those military jackets is yeah so it, again it does all link in but i mean what you're saying about being you know personally accountable um you know and, and i'm sure i could say I, I think i know you well enough mark to know that you don't make any decision lightly you know, you don't make it. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. Um, again, if I, think, I, think, I, I think if it doesn't sit true with your values, I yeah. think if, it, if something doesn't sit true with your values and your core, then you won't do it just to make a quick buck. No. Why? You know, like, it just, it, it, again, it's, it, it comes down to durability and longevity. Like, you yeah. might make a quick buck today. But you, if you've gone against your values, you're going to pay for that, you know, later on down the line. And so it's yep. just, it's essentially just a, a time bomb waiting yep. to go off and, uh, you know, and, and, and hit you in the face. I would much rather this takes me another year. I don't want to take, <laughs> I don't want it to take <laughs> another year, but I would much rather it took me another year and it's right. 
when it when when it goes out, and I can stand by that. And and then people, someone can say to me, "Ah, jacket shit." Fine, I totally get. Everyone has their own opinion, and if that's how you feel about it, totally fine. Like you know, like I'm not going to hold that against you. But I know that I the the thought and the 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 consideration that's gone into it, and I know it's right. And now I'm willing to put it out there, and I can stand by it. And that's, that's, I think for me personally, that's what allows me to put my head on my pillow at the end of yeah. the day. Yeah. It's those, those little, those little decisions. Um, but talking about the jacket and talking about Banfield, for people who don't follow you or um, for people who want to follow the, you know, the process of Banfield and the process of the Lawrence jacket, where, where's, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's Barnfield Customs on Instagram, um, and that's where I'm most active in terms of social. Um, but for the kind of the the, the more in depth stuff, there's obviously there's the there's the journal or the blog on on the website. But then really, it's it, it's signing up for the emails because it's through that that what I'm going to do is because there's the, the when I launch the Lawrence jack, Lawrence jacket, it's a pre it's a pre order process. So it'll be, um, I will open up pre-orders to anyone who signed up for, for emails. They'll get uh, an email 24 hours before it goes public. Um, so anyone who's interested in the jacket, doesn't mean they have to buy it, of course, but if you're interested and it floats your boat, that's worth signing up for emails. Because at the moment, as I said, I think I've just got a, about 1,500 people who've signed up. And obviously I can't go beyond 300 jackets. So Emails is the best place, but then, yeah, social. I, I'm fairly active on, on Barnfield as um, on Instagram. Yeah. See, that's what I quite like is, I mean, you're talking about, you know, subscribing and, and the emails. I like that. I like that kind of regular. It's kind of reminiscent of getting a letter in the mail now and again. Yeah. Well, actually, that's uh, I, I recently put it out there, and you'll have to send me over your, your, uh, your mailing address. Because I got a handful of these um, Corozo buttons actually sampled up, and so anyone who's interested in just checking them out and just kind of getting getting that physical, you know, yeah. mail, I'm, I'm firing out a, a, a button to anyone who's who's responded, so they can actually see the quality of these things and actually get something in the post that isn't a bill. Yeah, <laughs> and talking about the buttons and and you've said before a lot of the I mean I, I know from following the process. But a lot of the jacket and, and the majority of it is, is made and sourced in the UK. Are the buttons yeah. UK made as well? The buttons are even actually from a place called Jones, the button makers in Nottingham. So they're super local. Um, again, tracing it, you, the, 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 you know, the Corozo palm tree does not grow in the UK. So, the, yeah. you know, the, 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 the raw materials haven't, haven't come from the UK. But in terms of supporting local businesses um jones the button makers harvey quilting they're just the harvey quilting's just 10 minutes down the road from me and those guys again i think if you reach out and you explain what you're doing and, and you show that passion for it those guys invited me in to the into the factory and uh neil who did the quilting for me on on, on a sample and he's been doing it for 40 years and so you know, the amount of knowledge that he was then able to give me so I understood more about the quilting. And then I can understand, okay, so you've got to consider which way, you know, you, you know which way the wool is aligned with the cotton, because cotton has a grain, essentially. 
Yeah. And so yeah. making sure and and like some of those machines have 62 needles. So if you need to replace the thread color, you've got to go through manually and replace 62 you know, needles, just as you would on a normal sewing machine. Um, and so, and, and just the knowledge that he had and those machines, I think they were, the machine he was working on was like a 1962 machine. And I connect with the machines just as I do with the motorbikes. You know, you're just seeing the parts moving and, you know, yeah. it, 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 it's something in front of you, it's something physical that you can see. Again, I've enjoyed following the process and receiving, you know, the updates via emails and the blog posts and whatnot. Um, I had a question from someone. He was on earlier on. I don't know if he's still on now, but he sent me a yeah. question earlier today. Um, John Beckett is mm -hmm. a, a buddy of mine up in, up in Scotland. Um, his question for you was, as a bike guy, is the coolest car to own a classic Mini Cooper? <laughs> if it isn't if it isn't, what else would you have in your shed? I mean, I'm a big fan of the Mini. If you go back onto you know some of the posts for Barnfield, a mate of mine had uh, a Mini that he bought on auction in Japan when he lived in New York, shipped it over there, and then has since shipped it back. He's in the he's in the Derbyshire Dales now. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, it's that thing is like it's just like a go kart. It's so much fun to fun to drive. Um, I'm actually really keen. There's a there's a company that I follow on YouTube, uh, Classic Car Convert, Electric Classic Car Conversions, and they have. Uh, I think they only sell it garage to garage, you know, commercially. But they have a kit to electrify a mini, um, and I I love the idea of taking a vintage car that has all the style and the the depth of design to it like something like um matt who's working on his 240z you know there's uh, 240z is a pretty special car um or a 964 you know i mean who doesn't you know a porsche 964 and but finding one that you know i think it's probably a pipe dream but finding one where the body is intact but the engine is just gone you know i it, there's nothing that can be saved in it and then taking that and and, and converting it to being to being electric you know that's that's definitely a, a, a dream of mine, um, and I think ideally, you know, I am a big Porsche fan. Uh, ideally, I think it would have to be a 964 that I, you know, that I worked on to do that. But as I say, I, I think it would be sacrilege if the engine was in good working order to take it out. So it would have to be the right car. See me when you're talking about Porsche. For me personally, with the Porsche, it's the the mid 80s 911. Yeah. So mid 80s. Yeah, that would be. That would be the 964 or the Carrera before that. But yeah, the, um, the 964 was um, the first of the 911s that really started to pick up huge um, prices at the auctions. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that was because the engine before, before then, the engine was nowhere near as, as, as powerful, nowhere near as kind of finesse. Um, and it's also the 964. You'll see a lot. Um, this guy, Magnus Walker, who creates these... Um, he calls them outlaws and they're, you know, they're 964s, but they're a little bit wider um, vents on the, uh, on the rear uh, quarter panel uh, glass. Um, they've got, they've just got real character to them as a, as a car. I'm just going to check the comments there because when you're saying outlaw, John's, John's um, Instagram is um, 78 outlaw. He has a oh, Corvette. Yeah. 
he has a Corvette yeah. and, okay. and he, he races it. Um, yeah. But I'm sure he mentioned something today about a Porsche and Outlaw. And I'm wondering yeah. if it's the same. It could well be. I mean, it's, a, it's kind of become a specific style of 964 that people build. Uh, a friend right. of mine over in Bahrain uh, built a beautiful, beautiful one. It's like a deep, very 80s Miami Vice purple with gold alloys <laughs> in it. You know, it's just, you know, it's just a, it's a really special car. Um, outside of that, outside of sports cars, you know, I love the idea of having a, a Land Rover Defender and being able to strap my bike on the back of that and just, you know, having a, pro you know, tent box on the roof yeah. and bike on the back and just full adventure mobile, you know. I mean, I, I, don't, I, I know they're not particularly reliable, but um, they look great. When it comes to bikes, do you have a favourite style or a favourite make, model, either? I think, well, it was definitely the cafe racer style that kind of brought me in into bikes um mm -hmm. so cap racers for sure but i've recently well fairly recently but uh, the bikes that i'm lusting over at the moment is the uh Debolux ones the ducatis just the work that goes into that again mm -hmm. I, it just aligns with all the values that i kind of hold dear and yep. just like you know, all of those panels are, are made by them, by, by them, and they're just, they are an absolute work of art. You know, if you could enjoy seeing it on the road, you could enjoy seeing it in a museum, you could enjoy seeing it on the wall. Um, you know, those are those are really what I'm lusting out over at, at the moment. But at the moment, every single penny is going into the business. So one day, one day, but not right now. Is there anything you would like to talk about or like to kind of touch on or bring up? That maybe we no, have. I, I think I, I think all I've done is talk. Um, no, but that's, I, I think... that's what these these <laughs> that's what this is about, all about. Um, yeah. You know, it's about as as I've said to you before, it's about fleshing out the bones and you know, letting introducing. Yeah. But just if yeah. there's anything you you would like to kind of touch think, on that. I don't think there's anything more about me that I wanted to, that I would want to talk about. But I think. I... <laughs> except I guess this is about me, but I'm just so, so thankful for the help that I've had to date through the community that has built around Barnfield. Um, and every time someone reaches back out to me and, you know, kind of is, is into what I'm doing, like the, I don't think it's until you've been in a position where you're putting, you know, this, the Lawrence jacket is, is entirely my design and, and putting it out there feels like putting a piece of me out there to be judged as well um and it can feel quite vulnerable so when i get that positive support back yeah i i, I don't think people realize just how much of a you know how much of a difference it can make you know you can be having you'll be having a really tough time you can like i said you know you can be four years deep into a project that um you know has only has only cost you money yeah. In terms, you know, from a financial point of view, there's been a lot of sacrifice to get to this point. Um, and so when someone reaches out with, you know, with positivity, it's, you know, I'm incredibly thankful for that. So, and I'm incredibly thankful that responsive and positive the community has been to me as well. Because it's, like it's not like I have this depth 
you know, it's not like my dad built bikes and now I'm building bikes and, or, you know, or my dad was building, you know, had a clothing brand and now I'm continuing it on, you know, I am, you know, relatively new to this industry. And so, you know, people have been great, you know, and I've made, you know, I, I have, I think, I think initially I was really surprised at just how positive and, and how supportive people were, uh, especially with the bike building. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't take it for granted now. Well, that, I mean, that comes across, and again, I've said that a few times tonight, but I've, you know, you and I have enjoyed some, quite a few calls offline. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's, it, like, I mean, I can, I can, I can, I can agree and understand what you're saying about the, you know, that positive, it's the, it's the, the infinity loop. You put yeah. something out, you, you put something out, you get positive feedback, you get, you know, a clap on the, a pat on the back, or, you know, you're having a tough day, you put something out, you get positive feedback. So the next day you might put something else something else out. Not not so much as for your own personal gain, but to help someone else out or maybe yeah. maybe you know, yeah. and BJ BJ and over in the States around mm -hmm. a week and a half ago it was his birthday. And on the day of his birthday he put a post up and it was kind of requesting people who follow him who engage regularly with him, <clears throat> his birthday wish was for some of his followers to go and leave a positive comment on uh, some nice. of his followers. So it was that kind of yeah. paying it forward thing, and I thought that was really nice. Yeah. It's that paying it forward, you know, when, when you yeah. put something out that you put a lot, like you with a jacket, you have put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into that um, because you are passionate about it. So when you get that positive feedback, when you've had a tough day, it, I mean, it, it does, it lifts you up and puts fuel it in does, the Because you can feel, you know, there's the part of things by, 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 by doing this as a solo kind of uh, endeavor, there's the side of things that I have the complete freedom to, you know, to be a stickler towards the values and making sure that it, that it fits within that uh, and not have to, to bend in any way. But at the same time, you are solo. And so, you know, that's why the community is super important to me from that perspective as well. So when you do, when you get positive feedback, often I find that even, even when I do get negative comments, which is primarily on Facebook rather than Instagram, but if I do get negative comments, I'll, I'll, I'll always engage with those people because yeah. if someone is responding negatively, I can only, uh, for, for me, I'm kind of like, okay, I've not communicated the, that part of the story well enough. You know, if you're, you know, if someone's picking up saying that I'm only creating 300 jackets because of some marketing bullshit, it's because he doesn't have the full picture or she doesn't have the full picture. And so I take that opportunity, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll engage them. If they're just a full on troll, then, you know, I'll engage and then, okay, see you later. You know, yeah. don't let the door hit you on the way out. But at the same time, like initially, I will always engage back because, yeah. and, and more often than not, I'll find that when people realise that this isn't some big brand, some big corporation, you know, it's me, and it's me responding, you know, and, I, and I'll, I'll say, you know, so someone, it was exactly that person who said that it was marketing bullshit, and I just started off with like, that's a bit harsh. You know, the reason I'm doing this is, and, and, and I think when people realize, actually, okay, this is an individual, 
then often you, it turns around and it, and it becomes a positive, uh, you know, uh, conversation. Yeah. But it's, again, it goes back to that thing again about through lack of understanding, sometimes we can pass judgment. But once you yeah. understand a situation exactly. or yeah. an scenario, you, you, can, you, you may look at it from, as you said a few times tonight, we'll look at it from a similar point of view. You yeah. can understand your, yeah. your drive and your passion more once yeah. you know the history and, and, and that. So, yeah. And as, um, as, as, as I say, like, you, you, can, you, can, you can view the world through a similar lens and have t totally different design aesthetics. And so you decide that, well, you know, that jacket's too smart for me. You know, I'd, I'd much rather have something that's more like a bomber jacket or whatever. And that, that, that's fine. You know, like that, that I'm not offended by at all. Um, you know, it, but if, yeah, if someone says something that, that, that doesn't feel right, then I, yeah, of course I'll engage with them. Just come back to the jacket. At the moment, every part of the jacket being made is being made or, or fabricated, put together, UK-based. Yeah, yeah, I'm working with it. Again, I'm, we're working, I found a tailor locally. Um, yeah. uh, I, I mean, obviously, when I started the project, I was in Bahrain, and so I was working with people in Bahrain. Now that I'm here, I'm working with people locally here. Um, and the, the people I'm speaking to at the moment is to do the full production uh, in Manchester. So again, not far away at all. Um, and yeah, I, my push is to keep the, the production in the UK. And that's, that's what I'm really trying to do at the moment. Now, it's not easy because, because the apparel industry has been a declining industry for so many years in the UK. What you've found is that people have specialized. And I get that. So, you know, so like, for instance, I found the quilting place. And the reason I found I had to find a quilting place was because the guys who were talking about doing full production don't have the machinery to do the quilting because it hasn't made sense for them to invest in more space and, and that, you know, for quilting that might take up, might be, you know, a percentage of the work that they do, a small percentage of the work they do. So it's been very difficult because you have to get your quilting done there. You have to get this done over there. You have to source this from over there. And, and you know, I mean, I think there's, there's five different fabrics that go into the Lawrence jacket and there's the fastenings and the, the, the buttons and all that sort of stuff. And they're almost all coming from, from separate places. So trying to over, oversee that is very difficult. Now, if I was to go to Portugal and they do incredible work over Portugal and that is my second option, um, they have the ability to be a one-stop shop and do things at a very high standard. So ideally it's made in Great Britain and that's what I'm gunning for with, with this jacket 100%. Um, whether it's sustainable for me to be able to do that in the future, this jacket will tell me. Mm -hmm. There, a question came up there, or a, or a point from uh, Matt Matt Reeves, who goes by Severe Customs, and he's saying, "Ah, yeah, have you seen what the guys from Heb told you? Yeah, I have. Uh, yeah, those they're, they're they're doing fantastic stuff. I really like the kind of like the tongue-in-cheek approach that they've got." Um, I think on their account, like it's so Heptroco is, is is shortened for Hebden Bridge Trouser Company um, because um, at one point I think it was eighty percent of all workwear trousers were made in Hebden Bridge. So again, right. that's that's almost similar to the Hyatt Denim sort of approach of bringing 
bringing local business back to being local. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's either them, I know them and Jack at Idle Talk have a very similar um, thing in their bio, which was quoted, I think it was left as a message on their account that said um, expensive hipster shit or something like that. And I think they, they, they use that as, as, as the descriptors to who they are. It, it's either those words, uh, either on Idle Talk or Hedroco, but it's essentially the same, same thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, th those guys are doing some great stuff. Um, and, and anything like that is an influence on me as well. Being able to look and see that there are businesses, so, you know, that are surviving. Uh, and, yeah. and again, they're, they're very community led as well. So, it's, you know, it's great to see. I uh, just want to see if there's anything else. Um, yes, music, one song that helps Barnfield be Barnfield. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, yeah. The new one I've came up with, a new kind of. You know, it's probably. So, especially when I was when I was running the agency, and even now, like, and I found out this is something apparently, a lot of people who suffer with anxiety will watch the same movie over and over and over and over again, and it's because you know the outcome. Yeah. Uh, and my wife gives me so much shit for the fact that, like, you know, like, I mean, there there's certain movies that I can just watch over and over again, um, and Gladiator is one of those, you know. Um, and so I would say anything by Hans Zimmer, because I can just listen to, I can set up a, a you know, a, a playlist of Hans Zimmer, whether it's from Batman Begins, um, Interstellar, um, Gladiator, The Lion King, whatever, you know, I mean, uh, Planet Earth, the, the, the documentary, the Planet Earth suite, you know, that, that first one is yeah, the opening one. It's just incredible, you know, it make, makes the, uh, the hair stand up on, on my arms. And I think that... Yeah. I can listen to that uh, and I can just zone into what I'm doing and I can do that whole do one thing well by, by, by kind of channeling that. So yeah, I would say probably um, it's not the theme tune it, it's, it, or it's not the main opening tune, but it's when uh, I think it's the ending end credits of Gladiator. Um, right. The, the, the one that I've recognized. It's not um, honor. It's not honor. I'm not I think it's, 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 I can't remember, you know what, I can't remember the name of it. But um, yeah, it's, you know, you'll see, it's, it's when he's, he's right at the very end and his hand's going yeah, through the wheat. It's something about yeah. fields of wheat or something. The yeah. Which, fits, fields which of obviously fits, fits well with, uh, with, 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 with Barnfield. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think it, any, anything by Hans Zimmer, but, but, but yeah, that, that, that idea of like watching the same movies over and over again and that, yeah, that tune from Gladiator. Well, I mean, I'm quite a fan of Hans Zimmer. I mean, you mentioned that there, Batman Begins, but the the, the the soundtrack from that trilogy of movies that Hans Zimmer yeah. did. Yeah. Um, but my kind of go-to at the moment from Hans Zimmer is Interstellar and Inception. Yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that um, I realised, because he's, I think they're doing in Birmingham, it might be very, very soon, like, you know, they've got a, sym uh, a symphony orchestra and they're, they're doing like, uh, you know, a whole mix of, of best of Hans Zimmer. And then for each each track that they play, they have uh, parts of the movie playing, in the, you know, on a, on a big screen in the background. 
And when I was just looking through like the sound, you know, the, 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 the list, the soundtrack there, I was like, I think every single movie that I like is scored by Hans Zimmer. It's funny, there's, there's, I, I started to write a blog post about it and there's this idea that I have that like, what I'm trying to do a lot with, with, with Barnfield and, and those kind of like those little pieces of attention to detail. Um, there's a song from the mid nineties, uh, Counting Crows, and it's a song called Omaha. And just in part of it, there's, I think it's a ukulele. It just kind of swells in and then goes out. And that little detail that comes in at exactly the right time is what makes that whole song come together for me. And that's mm. what I'm always trying to do. That's why the, the, the buttons are laser etched. You know, that's why the artwork has the sense of this whole concept throughout it. It's these little details that will touch different people in different ways. Yeah. But those little details, those little individual strands of thread, they all make up, you know, without those little details and without the separate strands, you don't have the jacket, you don't have that product, that yeah. story, that evolution, that. So all those things have to come together to, to create that outcome. Yeah. So. But actually, you know, you were saying, was there anything else that I wanted to say? Well, one of the things is thank you for doing these because, and, and, and for, for inviting me on, because I think that one of the things that I've realized is that I, because of putting all these layers into the brand, into the jacket, into that, you actually need quite, you, you need a, a platform and, and some way to kind of talk about everything. You know, it's very difficult, as we were saying, like with Instagram or whatever, wanting to be things condensed into seven seconds. I mean, I know, yeah. we, you know, we've been talking for a couple of hours now and it's, and it, I know when I speak to people about what I'm doing, that it connects with people. Um, yeah. And it's and it's it's, yeah, it's great to have this platform to be able to you know to create something like this where people can listen in and get more of an idea of you know the, the different layers that I'm trying to create. Well, I mean you've you've on that you've touched on it a few times tonight about people looking at things you know on a similar lens and that's to me what why I started doing the video calls why I wanted why I started yeah. Kelty Bushido. You know, for again, for those that are in tonight, watching tonight and don't know the history of this was, I have another Instagram page and the the friendships that I created in the first year of lockdown kind of got me through the isolation of lockdown in that 20 yeah. to 21. So I thought about get in a way of giving back to the community and trying to create a kind of more structured online community was yeah. I started this new, new page and I thought doing live calls with people, people that I find interesting and that have a story to tell and that, you know, yeah. for you it's the jacket because there's all the parts of, that jacket wouldn't be that jacket without you behind it. Sure, yeah. You know, and, and you've had to, you've had to have the, the journeys you've had in life to make that jacket as important as it is yeah. to you. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, you know, like with, you go. With, uh, with wines and all that sort of stuff, they talk about um, terroir, like the, 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 the soil actually putting flavour. You know, you can take the same vines and you can put them in two yeah. different places and it will create a wine that tastes completely different. 
because yep. of the different minerals and all that sort of stuff that, that is actually in the soil. And I think that that's exactly what you're talking about. You know, there is that, that, that foundation of the, you know, my story and, and putting that into the project. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, you know, I said that in the beginning, thanks for coming on, but I'll say it now again. Um, I've enjoyed our, our private conversations off, not live ones. Yeah, know, of course, I've enjoyed yeah. the past few months. Um, I think we can we connected quite early on. We connected on quite a kind of philosophical level, but that to me that's not yeah. a bad thing. Um, and you kind of touched on that today in the in the story that you put up. Um, out of this, what I'm kind of hoping for is to kind of show people what we can all have our similar interests and mm -hmm. our similar hobbies. But if we don't share who we are as people, if, you know, it's okay to put that out there because. That's what creates the drive and the passion for doing the things we yeah. do. Um, yeah, totally. So. And, 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 you know, we all do have our stories. And that's what uh, Connor O'Donnell, the British motorbiker, was saying, you know, based on that uh, the podcast that I did with him, is that, I mean, uh, well, even if you look on his Instagram handle, whether it does anymore, but he said, you know, recovering from neuropathy. And before I spoke to him, I was like, oh, you know, neuropathy, is that something that was caused through a motorbike accident? And it, it wasn't at all. He listened to his story and it was just something that his, you know, his body just essentially started attacking itself on a, you know, on the nerve level. Um, and, and, you know, it eventually ended up by kind of twisting his legs and all sorts. And he had to have operations to get it all fixed up, fixed up. But it was motorbikes that then gave him his freedom again because he couldn't learn to drive because his, his legs wouldn't work in that way to, to have the mm -hmm. finesse to deal with the clutch and everything. But he was able to lift rather than just, you know, doing the gears like as we would with our ankles. He's able to lift from his hip, essentially, lift his whole leg up. Uh, and he was able to get his freedom back by riding motorbikes. So, I mean, that's it's an incredible story. Yeah. And that was on the Nod podcast with... No, that was on that was that was um, when I had all the intents and purposes. I was like, I'm launching a podcast. And I did one. Uh, eventually I'll do two and eventually I'll add and, and, and do some more, but there's such a huge undertaking. There's yeah. such a huge undertaking to, to record it, to edit it, to get the audio sorted out, to publish it, do the artwork, all that sort of stuff. You know, it's a real yeah. undertaking in itself. And so yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm actually, uh, Thomas from last maps, the artist, and actually there was someone, I don't know if they're still online, but there, I did see the question come up asking what was the handle again? Um, and it's it's last maps L A S T M A P S. So Thomas and I are actually going to launch a podcast um, within the next couple of months, where we're both on our own kind of creative business journeys, and so we're going to spend we're going to catch up uh, once or twice a month, and we're going to see where we're at with our with our businesses, what we've learned in that time, and then kind of speak to an expert in various areas of running a creative business, whether that's from branding or marketing or storytelling or how to get on a podcast or how to get yourself out in PR, you know, all these in individual parts that, that Thomas and I both want to learn about. We're going to interview people again, from a selfish point of view, we get to interview them and learn from them. But from a selfless yeah. point of view, we're, you know, we're, we're then sharing that rather than just <laughs> us having the conversations. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what it comes down to for me. You know, when I ask certain people to come on and do these live calls, it's because I get something out talking to that person. 
Sure, yeah. But that's the selfish point of view, but it's also because I think other people will get something out of listening to this person's story and who they are and what yeah. they're about. So it's that security community. Nine times out of ten, I can end up, I can listen to a pod, I can start listening to a podcast, and because I'm in the car, I can't get to change it, and I might be like, oh, you know, this, I, yeah, okay, now that I've started this podcast, it's not actually for me, and I end up listening to it because I, you know, I don't want to crash, so I don't want to change it, and I'll always get something out of it. So even if you, even if someone doesn't connect with the whole thing, there's there's likely to be something that you can get out of it, and it's so good to share it rather than just be having these the, these conversations behind closed doors. Thanks for being with me with my fogginess tonight. Um, no, thank you for thank you for doing it, even though you're you're recovering from COVID. Um, no, I, and and it's been good as well because it's kind of taken me out of myself, taken me away from okay. that fogginess. Although I can feel it there, and I, I know when I get off the call, it's gonna it'll probably it's come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But no, cheers again for coming on and. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'll I'll post this video up later. But if you want yep. to if you want to add um the profile names of some of the people you've mentioned, drop you know, yeah, you can put sure. them up in the yeah, comments. Um yeah, or the web address or anything like that. Just just feel free to jot it down. Um but yeah, I'm going to go into the house now and I'm gonna to listen to some hands summer. <laughs> Enjoy. And um, thank you very much. And to everyone who you know who, who joined us as well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, we'll catch up soon, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Al. Right. Take care. Take care, buddy. Thank you. Night. Bye-bye.